My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning in to the seventh official episode of The Riley Rant. It's hard to believe that we're already at seven episodes. And in my mind, this is a very big deal. When I was doing initial research on podcasting and hearing anecdotes from others, it's evident that many of these podcasts break down after the sixth or seventh episode. So in other words, after six or seven, people get tired of the commitment it takes They may not be seeing the engagement they were anticipating, and so they just give up and they let it go. And so if you have a podcast out there, you had one and you shut it down after six or seven episodes, I would encourage you to think about reviving it uh, because this is truly a fun um, project that I've been um, on for the last month and a half, and it's really helped me to better understand myself and others through unique conversations around the political, the professional, and the personal. And so if you've been following us, you'll know that last week we focused on a personal rant entitled Tough Love with Chelsea Taylor, and Chelsea and I basically tried to look inward, outward, and forward with respect to dating and meeting new people, so definitely would encourage you to check that out. Then two episodes ago, we focused on the professional, where I tried to give you the tools, the resources, and the skills to develop 2020 career vision. And so with two episodes prior to this focusing on the professional, last week's episode focusing on the personal, I thought this week we definitely have to focus on the political. And so I want to spend this episode just giving you a rundown of some of the big stories within the Democratic and Republican parties and hope that you can leave this podcast a little more informed about current events with respect to politics. So let's start with the Democrats. The biggest thing you're going to have to be on the lookout for with respect to the Democratic Party is can they truly unite? Can they truly come together and form a coalition that can defeat the Republicans in 2018 and in 2020? And the reason why this question is so important is because this past weekend, the Democratic National Committee selected its new chair. And this race was as contentious as the Democratic presidential campaign, where you had Hillary Clinton, who was backed by the establishment, who was backed by veterans in the party, and who was backed by the political elites. On the other hand, you had Bernie Sanders, who was more on the progressive side, uh, more radical in policy proposals, and, and much more liberal than Clinton herself. This is the same exact dynamic that occurred within the DNC chair's election this past weekend, where you had Tom Perez, who was running for chair of the Democratic National Committee, who was viewed as a Clintonite. He was uh, Secretary of Labor for President Obama. He had backing of the establishment and the political elites, whereas his major opponent, Keith Ellison, was on the progressive side, more like Bernie Sanders, actually endorsed by Bernie Sanders, and who had a progressive liberal agenda that was uh, radical and innovative in its approach, as some would argue. And so the significance of these two dynamics is that people are going into this DNC chair race fed up because they're saying to themselves, given how much we lost by 
with respect to the Electoral College in this most recent election, we have to change our approach to win more states. We have to change our approach to reach out to millennials and different segments of the population. And so if the Democrats realistically go into this DNC chair election and choose a Tom Perez, then people were arguing they have learned nothing about this election and they don't want to change. And so that was the sort of mentality going into this election. And Tom Perez ultimately ended up winning the election as chair. And now the question is going to be, can the Democrats unite? Tom Perez took the first initial step in bringing Keith Ellison on as his deputy chair of the party, which will hopefully be a unifying sign. But at the same time, you had a trending topic on Twitter, Demexit, where Democrats are threatening to leave the party with with Perez as chair because they no longer think that the Democrats represent their interests. So definitely keep a look out on Democratic unity and where they go from here. With respect to the Democratic Party, another story to look out for is how the new DNC chair and deputy chair go about transforming the party, building a grassroots movement to really get people mobilized, inspired, and enthused again. I say that because during Obama's tenure, although he was a very popular figure and he did very well in his two elections, that somehow didn't trickle down to lower members of his party in, in lower level elections. To give you an example of just how severe this was, during Obama's tenure, the Democrats lost 1,042 seats on the local, state, and federal levels. This means that they've essentially lost control of key legislatures and key states. And that's where the action really happens. I know we give a lot of attention and light is often shined on the national level, on Trump and on Congress. And they are very influential and very powerful. But when you think about what's affecting your day-to-day life, it's going to be what your state senator is doing, what your state legislature is doing, because they have a closer, more direct impact on your livelihood, on your taxes, on how you go about living your life. So the fact that Democrats have lost a thousand seats over that time span, the last eight years, is telling and it's indicative of a change that needs to come about to get more people mobilized and excited about the party and about their proposals. But even beyond the thousand seats lost, think about governors across the country, very influential figures. When Obama took office, there were 28 Democratic governors. That number is now down to 16. So the Democrats have a long way to go in rebuilding their strategy, and it's going to be very crucial for the Democratic National Committee and for congressional campaigns and senatorial campaign finance committees to really try to figure out how they get more people excited about the Democratic Party following the loss in November and how they really mobilize and resist the Republicans and Trump. And this resistance is going to be so important to monitor and watch, especially if you're a Democrat out there, because the Democrats are facing a severe uphill battle in the upcoming 2018 elections. When you think about the Senate, our senators are elected every six years, which means that every two years, about a third of the Senate is up for re-election. So, for example, in 2018, of the 33 seats up for re-election, eight are controlled by Republicans and 25 are controlled by Democrats. This is a telling statistic because it means that Democrats who are already in the minority in the Senate now have to ensure that they win their 25 seats and then they have to try to pick up two or three more seats from the Republicans, which is going to be 
a difficult feat. Of the eight seats that the Republicans have up for grabs, six of them are safe. So six of them are in Republican states where they're going to be essentially guaranteed re-election. Of the 25 Democrats up for re-election, only about 12 of those seats are safe. So what this basically means is that heading into 2018, the Republicans have about two seats that are toss-ups that are up for grabs that could potentially swing to the Democrats. While on the other hand, the Democrats have about 13 seats in the Senate that could potentially flip to the Republicans. This is very telling of how these elected officials are going to act going forward because many of those individuals are up for re-election in states that Donald Trump won. And so how are these Democratic senators going to react and to respond to policy proposals? Are they going to be more moderate, more centrist to ensure they don't alienate their voters in the upcoming election? That's something I would encourage you all to keep an eye on how those Democratic senators operate, and how they conduct themselves with the understanding that they're going into a vulnerable election in 2018. And on the Republican side, we've seen that they've been hammered this past week during the recess with town halls all across the country. I was watching town halls take place in Utah, in Kentucky, in states that you may not have thought of as being politically active or politically mobilized. It's happening uh, with individuals who had never been engaged with the political process. After one month of Trump, people are fed up. People are concerned, particularly about Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act and its potential repeal. And you now have Republican members of Congress saying that it's going to be very difficult to repeal it. You have former Speaker of the House John Boehner noting that they're not going to repeal and replace Obamacare. The most that they're actually going to do is add some refinement to the law and make it just more conservative, but but really no repeal and no replace. So that's definitely something to keep your eyes out for going forward. Will the Republicans repeal and replace? They've been talking about it for about six years now. And even with Obamacare taking off, there's not really been a clear definition of what their proposal looks like. There haven't been clear facts, robust numbers around it. It's just been a desired talking point with little to no clarity. And so it's going to be important to see with Donald Trump meeting with governors tomorrow, what comes out of that meeting and what policy proposal they ultimately submit to the Congress for review. In addition, Donald Trump will be speaking to a joint session of Congress this Tuesday, February 28th. I would encourage you to check that out. In addition, I would also encourage you to check out a town hall that's taking place on CNN this Wednesday with Republican Senators Lindsey Graham and John McCain to understand what they think of with respect to the direction of their party. No matter where you stand on the political spectrum, it's important to be informed about politics on both sides so that you can be equipped with an understanding of how others are thinking and so that you're not surprised in 2018 or 2020 when you're sitting at your screen trying to figure out why things happened the way they did. I believe that the way to be informed is to stay up to date on what's happening so that you can be empowered to impact and positively affect those decisions that are being made at our highest levels of government. And so thank you for tuning into this episode. Thank you for checking out these political updates. I hope that you learned something new and I hope that you will potentially share with me some things that you're looking forward to learning more about or researching more with respect to politics because it's so, so important. With that, Please feel free to comment on this. Am I missing something in my analysis of what's going on right now in the Democratic and Republican parties? What would you add? And how should we think about where we go from here? Remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's the Riley rant.